What? The best. That means the best. The grandest indeed. The champions. Damn, it feels good. Good to sing that again. The pipes sound good. Yeah, you think? Yeah. America's got talent. Some... America's got talent, baby. Three no Simon Cow cry. <laughs> <laughs> make I'll make him retire. Well, I think it should be said. Welcome back to all of our lovely listeners. In case you haven't noticed. Uh, based on Psalm's beautiful voice. This is the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And today we're going to be talking some shit about AC Milan, because we walked away with a 3-0 win. First dub of the Champions League group stage. I think, I think we're all feeling pretty good. Oh yeah, I mean, not too much hope going into the match. You know, it, they're understandably AC Milan. They were suffering from a lot of injuries. Um, just pulling it up again, Mike uh, Manion, however you pronounce his name, he was out. Teo Hernandez, probably the best left back in the world right now, he was out as well. Um, and Florenzi was out. Salamakers as well. So they had a lot of injuries. Labria is out. Right. Um, so we didn't play their best squad, but man, did we dominate them? We looked good. A three nil win. I, I think I saw something. It was the first three nil win, um, at the bridge. More. I thought it was like January, but yeah. Yeah. The point is, it's been a long ass time. You're right. No, it was January in the Carabao Cup or early FA Cup, but it was the first time we've won back to back matches since March. Wait, what? It's the first time we've won back to back matches in any competition at any field since March. Oh my God. Has it really been that bad? Yeah. And you know what else has been bad? Our attendance on this pod, and this is the first time the three of us have been together in a long time. Yeah, probably in like, like four or five episodes, honestly. At least a month, yeah. Yeah, too many weddings on. Yours is next week, so now all three of us are going to be married men. Wait, what? (laughs) I'm getting married. (laughs) This is the first I've heard of this. Who's who's the lucky girl? We I thought we all decided to get married within a month of each other. I thought we had a thing okay. going. It's hacked. All right. I need to find someone quick. <laughs> find a venue. Shit. I got a long week ahead of me. All right. Let's get into this match. 3-0 win against AC Milan. Oof. Reigning Serie A champions, by the way. Um, so we lined up with a 3-4-3. Kepa still in goal. 
Fofana, Thiago Silva, and Koulibaly in the back line. Reese James and Chile as the wingbacks. RLC and Kovacic as the two uh, double pivot midfielders. And a front three of Raheem Sterling, Mason Mont, according to Zach, and <laughs> Aubameyang. <laughs> Mason who? <laughs> you typed Mont. <laughs> oh, <did I> <laughs> That's the only way you can as long as it's better. It's I meant okay. to say, I meant to say Mason uh, Hunt. Yeah, I was going to say at least it's not Hunt, but maybe yeah. Hunt would have been better. His name is um, Mason Mont. Yeah, he's playing. Mason I mean, hey, whatever we want to call him, this was probably his best match. I think he, it was probably the best he's looked in a Chelsea kit at least this year or this yeah. season. Yeah. Because um, he's been playing, he's been kind of balling out for England, but for some reason for us, it just uh, hasn't been 100% right. He did almost have a goal. He almost had a couple goals, to be honest. In the in the very beginning, um, that whipped shot. Abamyang right laid it off. Yeah, Abamyang late like did a terrible pass. Honestly, and it was behind Mason Mount. Somehow he was able to adjust and got it on target. Good save, and then obviously the offsides chip. Great movement, great finish. That's the kind of stuff that is really, you know, encouraging to see. So. Um, Zach, what did you think about uh, like the formation and and the performance in general? Uh, I'll start with Mason Mont first. Um, mm-hmm. I thought he looked a little bit more confident, just like a lot of the other players in the lineup did. I think slowly but surely we're gaining our confidence and gaining the trust, not only in the manager, but the system and the ideology and the way we're supposed to be playing. Um, I like the three four three setup, to be honest with you. I think um, with, a health, with a healthy Conte, this probably our best formation um but that's the key with a healthy Conte there were times in this game where we did look a little bit overrun in the midfield and that's I mean that's gonna happen when you don't have a natural DM in there and especially when you're partnering somebody next to RLC who kind of he had a weird game he was he was good in spots and then not so good in other spots but overall on the whole I think the team is is starting to perform at a much higher level things that you can tell just by giving it the eye test that you know Things are just starting to click. And I think it's just a matter of time before we start rolling teams over more often like this. Granted, it was an AC Milan side that wasn't at full strength. But it does have to be said, it's still a side that's a title-winning side in a top-five European league. So regardless of their injury situation, they don't really have any excuses just like we didn't when we had our injury situation. They still had top players on the pitch. They still have a top manager. Their best players were still on the pitch. Let's keep that in mind, too. Rafa Leal was there. He's a Serie A player of the year. So, overall, it was a good day. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing where this squad is headed. But uh, as of right now, it's on the up. Yeah, I mean, when I first saw the 3-4-3, I was a little bit concerned. But then, you know, I think RLC has... I actually think he played fantastic game. I mean, the guy was not dribble past once in this match, which I don't know when the last time one of our double six um, midfielders could say that. So to me, I thought that that was a huge success. I think that he's really improved his game in, in terms of scanning the field and, and playing more centrally. I think that 
previous managers played him out wide just so that he could focus on the 1v1 dribbling without having to worry about pressure coming from all angles. But I thought that, you know, it's a little bit kind of out there. Jorginho doesn't start in his preferred formation. And we look the way we look today against a very, like, mind you, they were um, injury, like, ridden or whatever, but it, it Syria contenders to, to go back to back. So, I mean, I was very happy about that. Mm-hmm. They still feel a very, a very strong team. Like, yeah. I, I get the injury situation, yeah. but Tonali and Ben Nasser were both playing. That's their preferred pivot that, they, that their, their strongest 11 has in it. Rafael Leal was still out there. Tomori was still out there. Kalulu was still out there. Giroud. Giroud. Champions League know. magician. Exactly. So. Uh, and I actually surprisingly agree with you, Andreas, um, about RLC. Um, and, and, and surprisingly, Mateo Kovacic was kind of the odd man out, I felt, in that double pivot. I think mm-hmm. Ruben had a much better game than Kovacic. Um, I think, I mean, I think Kovacic, his last performance was, I wouldn't say worrisome, but you know, he's coming back from an injury and he's, I think he's still trying to get back into hundred percent full fitness. And I think that this match he did perform better, but he's, he's just not at the level we need him to be right now, but I'm going to just, uh, Blame that on him recovering from that injury that had him out for the first like month of the season almost. Yeah, I think I, I think he's still dealing with some of the effects of the injury. Meaning, I don't think he's one hundred percent. I think just the way he's moving, the way he's taking players on, he doesn't necessarily have that same burst across three or four yards when he's dribbling with the ball that we've that we're used to seeing. So. I think it's a matter of time before he comes back, but my worry is that we might be sort of overplaying him, I guess, in a way. But it, it's partly his fault because he's been so damn good, you know, and he's probably been our most consistent midfielder across the last 12 months, our best midfielder last season by a long shot. So maybe we're playing him out of necessity here, but my thing is if we keep playing him every single match, you know, he's still going to get clobbered three or four times a game. There's yeah. going to be, you know, weird instances where there's contact. Fatigue is also a factor as well, considering he's not 100%. I'm just a little wary of how much minutes he's getting. Um, or we I can think... expect the the one, you know, typical Kovacic slide tackles once a game. And, and in this time, he just took a freaking Giroud kneecap to the face. So, like, the guy doesn't do yeah. himself any favors yeah. trying to, like, avoid contact, which is not a bad thing usually, but because of his injury recent injury history with us you know you think he'd be a little bit more weary of of an unnecessary challenge like that i mean last match when um when Jorginho came off with an injury i thought it was uh kovacic who was who was getting who was getting subbed off because it looked like he was limping like he was hurt so um yeah i think that whatever we see soon from kovacic right now you just got to take it with a grain of salt and, you know, just, I think in a, in a couple of matches, I mean, dude, we just, we still have not seen a, a minute of Zakaria. I don't know what the hell's going wow. on. At least he made the bench this match. 
But this bench but is also bigger than the Premier more... League bench. Yeah, they, they, oh, they yeah, have three right. more slots. So, I, might be a matter of time. In the midfield. I mean, it, it could be a bunch of things with Zakaria. Andres alluded to it before that maybe he just hasn't been good enough to get into this, to the match day squads quite yet. Maybe it's a little bit of him trying to get acclimated to life in London or Chelsea. Maybe it's him getting used to... I don't know. I don't know what it could be. But the point being, two summers ago, this guy was getting looked at by Liverpool, Man City, Bayern, us, somewhere in the region of 50 to 60 million pounds. And uh, for him to just... For us not to see him at all, especially after pulling off that last-minute loan deal, it does seem a little Saul-esque. Yeah. Dare I say it. Yeah. I mean, Saul at least played... Like, he played in his first match, right? (laughs) I think he played in the first match of the season. Uh, Yeah, Uh something along those lines. Um, Real quick, I did want to say one thing. Zach, you mentioned this might be our strongest formation. I think this formation... The moment you do lose, Kovacic or Conte goes to shit. So I, I don't think this is our best formation because we can't sustain it. Like, I think wingbacks, sure. Three at the back, sure. But I think that the Potter version where it's like a 3-3-3-1 three, 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 or whatever, I think that may be our actual best formation moving forward because we can actually sustain it with eights. Connor Mount, they can play in a midfield three if that's the case. We saw RLC can play more of a six in this one. Maybe he can be more of the holding figure in the three, 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 one. Uh, Chalaba's been training in that position as well. I just don't see us. I don't think we have the depth to to play a double six properly throughout the season. So I, I think it worked today. I also think like. It was a very progressive 3-4-3, and, and maybe it was like a tactical thing, but week to week, I don't know if this is our best way to set up. And I guess it isn't fair to say that it was the best way, because Potter... Wait, before, 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 sorry, yeah. to cut you off, uh, we did get a Twitter question, actually, about this exact thing hmm. um, from Dylan at Astro Worlds. Um, he said, what's your guys' favorite formation we've seen so far under Potter, seeing as there's been so many? So, um Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'll continue your thought. Yeah, I, I'll stick to the one I was just pointing out. I liked Potter's, like, his trademark one where we had Sterling lined up as a quote-unquote left winger or left wing back, but in reality, Kukurea was was making the runs. Mm-hmm. Um, or honestly, if we can just get the 4 2 three, one that we saw at times against Palace. Like, I really liked seeing four at the back. Um and then getting an extra midfielder up the pitch. It can be argued that it was a 4 triple 2 but it really shifted a lot. So I think it was more of a 4-2-3-1 in the second half with Mount more central. Uh, Sterling on the left, Kai on the right, and Alba up top. That mm-hmm. shape to me seemed to, to really bring out a lot more. Whatever lets Reese James get up the pitch, I'm all for it. So either the 3-3-3-1 where Reese James is that right wing back right winger in that formation or a 4-2-3-1 where he has the license to get up either one of those has been probably what i hope to keep seeing moving forward i guess i guess the bottom line is regardless of what either of our answers are we're gonna be seeing multiple lineups multiple times this season 
Right. It's just but, but, it's just but, based on the way Potter plays. But yeah, I mean, l- listen, I'll Dylan's double down. On, your favorite, yeah. I'm I'm gonna double down on it. I'll say the three four three. We won a Champions League playing that when Conte's fit and healthy. If he's in the starting lineup, the three four three is our strongest. Without Conte, I think it's debatable. I did like the look of the back four against Crystal Palace. I thought in the attacking sense, it just allowed more players to be more attack minded players to be higher up the pitch. We were also pretty good in possession as well in terms of the ball movement moving quickly in the back three it could get stagnant at times if teams are pressing us properly the ball shifts out to Koulibaly he stutters every every so often with the ball at his feet if you put Chalaba out there obviously he's comfortable with the ball as well but again that ability to sort of have a second thought at the very last minute could trip us up and and leave us exposed so I think it's still debatable, but based on today, you know, it, it, today was by far our best performance under Potter. I don't think that's debatable. So just based on today's evidence, I'm going to stick with the three four three. But it could change. And, and I also, you were going to say three... it's debatable again. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's debatable, it but on. it is debatable. Um, the three four three also, um, you get the best out of uh, Reese James. Mm-hmm. You really saw that today. I mean, he got the goal. He got the assist. He had. He could have had. He could have had two, three more assists. Honestly, well, not um, just Reese, some, but I thought Chilwell looked good in the back three. I, I think Chilwell in general is more comfortable playing as a wing back. So that's also something to consider as well. I mean, obviously, we know Potter's going to stick with Kukurea when he's available because that's his guy. But um, but Chilwell in the back three over Chilwell in the back four any day of the week too. At least but but do opinion. we know that he's going to do that? Because Kukureo is available today, and he didn't get the start. Yeah, but he, he just started training a couple of days ago, coming off that injury. I, I think and, and Chilwell, to be... Chilwell's going to be staying for a little bit. I think just like, for example, Kepa started again today, and Mendy was available for selection. I think that Otter is going to be riding out these guys that are, are building chemistry as we keep winning. So like, Yeah, as he, he should. He loves Kukureo, but... If we keep winning, he's going to keep playing Ben Chilwell, even if Chilwell's not like, yeah, I thought he was fine. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, even if he has like one misstep, I think that he'll continue to play him. October is super packed with with matches as well. So it may be a little um, premature to say that these guys are going to get a lot of consistent starts because we're going to be playing two matches a week through the rest of this month. So um I just think for now, Chilwell will probably be the the first choice. Correa might be needed as a center back. That's also, what I was going to say. Out. Yeah. Well, back to Reese James, he uh, completed fifty one out of sixty one pass uh, attempts, two key passes, two out of two dribbles completed. Um, Zach found a stat earlier: Rafael Leal, Wilfred Zaha, Leroy Sané. That that was in Germany versus Italy. Youngman's son. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I say Italy. And yeah. Harvey Barnes have a t- have eleven attempted dribbles against Reese James this season. They've succeeded in one. And I think the tweet went further to say that he had like five goal contributions. Yeah. Um, in those matches. So wild. I mean, this dude is undoubtedly Him. He is him. He's him. He is him for sure. I mean, he's the best right back in the world. Hands down. You can't 
Nobody comes you close. Can't, There's no I mean, longer Trent, an argument. You can, Trent, you can you can try to argue it, but I'm it, what he does on the defensive end, Reese James. It completely shuts down that argument, a hundred percent. Reese James is our best defender and our best attacking player. One hundred. It's it's crazy. Zach, so, you ready to change your your captain, your future captain pick yet, or what? Never said I'd be mad if they picked Reese James, That's but not yeah, what I, I mean, <laughs> I do. Listen, I, I I'll pick Reese James as of today. I mean, he he's just he's more consistent. You know, he makes himself available most of the time. He's he's able to play. But like the thing I love the most about him, and I think I'm seeing it. Maybe I'm I've just been naive, and I'm just noticing it more this year. But the homie has an attitude. Like he is not yeah. one to be fucked with. If somebody you know no. gives him like a, a cheeky pass when the ball goes out, or, or throw like today somebody threw it right into his chest. I, I forgot who it was. And Reese Reese didn't even catch the ball. He let the ball bounce off his chest, and he just stared. That he gave him the death stare basically. And I know he's done that a couple times in the last few matches where guys would try to shit house him, and he just does not fucking put up with it. And I love that. I mean, it's, 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 he's a tone setter as well as a leader on the pitch. And I think a captain does need to be a little bit of both. So the fact that we lost Rudy, who was our, you know, sort of tone setter, shithouser in that regard, I think Reese has sort of torn a page out of his book and is using it a little bit more wisely, to be completely honest, because he has this ability to channel, you know, that inner anger or shithousery into just world-class, brilliant, almost borderline flawless performances like he did today so I'm, I'm gonna go one step further i don't just think he's one of the best i don't think he's just the best right back in the world but i think he's putting his name in the hat as being arguably the most well-rounded footballer in world football when you really look at it the guy could play both sides of the pitch can you name one flaw he has in his game go no defensively no. what are his flaws None. He's strong. He's fast. 1v1 situations. He's smart. He could pocket any winger he wants. He could play multiple positions. He could play on the left side as a center back, as a right back, as a right wing back. Offensively, he CDM. I think the only player that has better delivery than him from that position is Trent. But Trent can't fucking defend. So you, you can't even put his name into argument anymore. So Exactly. Cancelo has a good cross on him. Um, I'd say I'd say that I'd say that Trent's early cross is better, but he as well. He's a his free kicks are nuts. Right. I don't think Reese yeah. has that in his locker. I think okay, take one thing away from Reese. If his set, if his corners and free kicks were as good as his ability to hit the ball while it's moving, then my God, I I, I I'm hard pressed to find a more well-rounded footballer in the world right now. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about Keppa. So Andy, another Andy, strong does performance. it have anything to say about that? Sorry to cut you off, Sam. Oh He's yeah, smirking. do you want to say something about Reese James? Are you smirking? He's the goat. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I think, I think he is the best right back in the world right now. I think he is in the conversation for best, like all around defender. I think you can't compare center backs to full backs. I think that's a whole other ballpark. I think longevity, you probably still have people that are going to put Cancelo ahead of Reese James just because Cancelo has been at his level for two seasons more than Reese. But, I mean, 
I think Reese James walks into any starting 11 in world football. Like, there's no club that wouldn't take Reese James and put him in their starting 11 right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that Cancelo wears the number seven as a fullback is kind of insane. Like, I always like find that to be so funny, but he's earned that. Um, Reese James, number 10 next season. Make it happen. Start the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I love his 24, though. I know me too. I hope he never changes that number. I just love the fact that a Chelsea player is wearing 24. I just think it's so cool. Um, All right, let's talk a little bit about Kepa. I think he had another strong performance today. He's definitely growing in confidence. Um, Obviously, he kept a clean sheet, but, um, you know, he's still prone to, to mistakes. Like, I thought at the end of like the very end of the first half. Um, he had a, a decent save against uh, Ketelare, but he he hit the ball into a really bad spot, and I forgot who it was. This dude was like right in front of the goal and sailed it like way uh, above Chilwell, the goal. No, it turns out Chilwell got his foot on it. Yeah. Oh, he deflected it? Yeah. I think I mean, that's harsh. Though, that was still it was, to call that not a good save, though, because that was like point blank. I, I said agree. that was no. I said it was a good save, but he hit it in the wrong spot. Like it was just not like he didn't clear the ball out. Like he could have hit it to the right, to the left. He hit it right in the middle. You know. Yeah. So, and Mendy. He was on the bench. He told Peter Schmeichel in pre-match that he was healthy. He was ready to start at the weekend. Um, so, what do you guys think? I mean, with the way Kep has been playing, the way that he fits Potter's system, should he slot right back in, or does Kepa deserve more games from here on out? Andreas, what do you think? Yeah, at this point, I think you 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 can still play Kepa, I think. Whenever you have the back four, especially, he adds that extra option to play out the back and just kind of keep the calm, or at least it's felt that way. Um, a lot of people who are are leaning on on the, you know, because this is a debate, you know it's made its way to Twitter. And people have dug up that Kepa actually just looks better, but his numbers compared to Mendy in terms of the passing are similar. Um I just think like a confident keeper is a good thing for the team. I think that the guys are are building a little bit more rapport with him. Uh, I think I can't. I think it was against Palace actually that Kepa was really good at collecting crosses, which is one of the things that I usually really complain about his game. So I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure again, just like the whole Chilwell Kukurea thing, like I'm sure some rotation will happen. It's a little bit harder when it comes to keepers. But as of now, I I don't see why you remove Kepa. Like, it's not like Mendy was playing lights out before he got hurt. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. I, I get the sentiment. Um, at least for the next match, I would still probably keep Kepa. Wolves doesn't have much size um, up front right now, unless Diego Costa is ready to start for them. So, as of right now, I'm okay with Kepa starting. I'm more than okay with Kepa starting. I'm going to double down on the confidence thing. I think having him back there just makes the back line feel more comfortable on the ball, especially when spaces are 
tight or and other teams are closing us down quickly, just like they did today. I mean, I know Keppa wasn't perfect with his distribution today. You know, Milan's pressing did give him trouble at times. I know some of his clearances were off the mark. Normally he's normally Keppa's really good at reading those situations early enough and clearing the ball in the direction of a Chelsea player, even if it's not a direct pass, at least he's getting the ball and they're giving him a chance to bring it down. Just didn't really see that today. But the save itself, I thought saved us it probably saved us the match because it, it, pro- it goes 1-1 at that point and then who knows what kind of mindset we walk into the second half with. But yeah, just overall, I think, I think he's done more than enough to kind of keep his spot. I think it'll be really harsh if Mendy just kind of comes back in and immediately starts starting games again. I, and, and to be it's honest, it's not... Yeah, go for it. Oh, oh, sorry, I was just saying it's the same sentiment that uh, Andreas had. Uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's it's the exact same sentiment. I think you play the hot hand, right? And Keppa's been feeling good. He's been playing well. I, and like I said, if you just watch the way the team reacts to him receiving the ball and watch the way the team um, you know, moves into spaces when he gets the ball to his feet, they just seem much that much more confident in knowing that it's eventually going to get to them or that the keeper's at least going to make the right decision. I'm talking about guys like Thiago Silva, guys like Fofana, you know, uh, when they spread out and open themselves up to receive a pass from Mendy, there's that what if factor, right? Because Mendy does fuck it up every so often. But at least with Keppa, his first touch is safe. And I think he's better at reading situations where, oh shit, they're closing me down. It's better that I just get fucking rid of it as opposed to forcing a stupid or ill-advised pass. So the the shot stopping argument i think it could go both ways i think we've seen mendy uh, we are we know that's mendy's strongest attribute he's one of the best shot stoppers in world football but now keppa's starting to show us that he has that same ability he's made two key saves in two matches now so you know i i do think he should keep starting that's not to say i don't want mendy to eventually come back in i i think competition's good for the squad but the longer mendy sits out maybe that just straightens him out that much more too so it's the same argument I have for guys like Mason Mount and why I thought he should have been dropped a lot earlier. I don't, you know, he's still starting matches, but the logic with that is if you drop the guy, he just gets a hard reset, and then he could come back in and you know have a chance to get his to get back into his top form. Mendy, uh, Kepa had the same situation where he sat out for a long period of time, comes into the side, whether it was forced or not in terms of him playing, he's been playing really fucking well. So it looks like the time off does do players a little bit of good in that respect, and I think uh, I think he's benefited from it. You're uh, you're muted. Oh, cool. Yeah. So again, sorry about my audio quality. My mic is killing me, so I just switched to my AirPods. So now, if it sounds like I'm on a phone call, that's why. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I think. Uh, the Kepa thing, you know, you're talk. You talked about earlier about how um, there's more comfort on the pitch with him having the ball at his feet, but I think also maybe the back line is a little bit less comfortable having uh, Kepa in goal as opposed to Mendy where Mendy is a better shot stopper and he's able to make up for, you know, mistakes by the back line by being such an amazing shot stopper. So 
it's a it's give and take i think with both both points but i'm still on this i'm i'm on the same train as you guys keppa until it sucks until it really does up. yeah and it sucks for mendy but I mean, we see this all the time players lose a spot due to injury and it's really hard for them to get it back once they become healthy again but um we'll see it how should, that mm-hmm. it should be said too that the contract extension talks with him haven't really gone anywhere in the last couple of weeks or months or whatever. so or or mendy 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 mm-hmm. so, so that's to something to keep more an eye than Kepa, on else he's not trying to give him an extension for more money than Keppa, probably because we're trying to offload Keppa as well. But yeah, it's kind of been a stalemate at the moment. Damn. Like a year ago, we thought like pre AFCON. Let's 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 put let's put the timeline right. Pre AFCON. Yeah we never never thought of of this point like Kept up starting no multiple way. games in a row. Yeah, I mean, we thought that Mendy was our keeper for the next five five seasons, maybe. He was maybe good for us more. under sorry, minus the Carabao Cup. Yeah, y'all hated on me so hard when I said we should have still gone for Donnarumma when we had Mendy. And now, did we have a chance? Oh, Mendy. Well, the Donnarumma was still at AC Milan, and there was like. Mm kept getting linked and i was like i don't know i think you still do it he sold his soul to the devil though by going no. to psg just like you all those other PSG players for free or do you want a free transfer he ended up going yeah. for free yeah yeah what yeah, did, um, business. what did we uh what did we make of trevor chalaba by the way oh he looked well, good. first off um fofana scored right. his first goal yeah but before he even came off he got to score that was that sequence of like corner after corner after corner <laughs> and Tiago Silva every single time being the one that hits the ball is wide some open of the, like, and getting it on target every time. Yeah. Too. Some of the most comical yet like entertaining like bit of football I've seen in a while. For, for one, we were taking good corners, which was a surprise. Then Mason two, Mount. Give credit to Mason Philly. Mount for that. It was chilly. Yeah. No, oh, Mason Mount. Well, all the they, ones they, on the it depends on the on right, right, and the left, side, right. right on the right side. All of them are Mason Mount. But the point is, is like after two of them, how are you not double teaming Thiago Silva? And then the actual goal where it like bounced through five people and RLC technically gets an assist is just too funny. I think, I think during the the Champions League coverage here in the states, they were going through all the goals. And and some of the goals that were being scored were really good in the first half of these matches. And then Carragher goes, oh, finally, one of the goals that I would have scored. And then it's Fofana <laughs> just like rolling up and just taking a, a shot from six yards out and rolling it to the back of the net. But good for him. I thought he was really good up until he got hurt. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, the injury he has. I mean, I have a, I have a buddy of mine that's a, that's a doctor. And I asked him. I'm like, all the talk on Twitter is about this guy tearing his ACL, but like all the Twitter doctors, let's call them, right? So I I, I sent him a video of Fofana just kind of limbering his knee up. He was doing like high jumps, you know, after he stood up and he told the, he told the, the medical staff, like, I'm good. And he played another two or three minutes before going down again. I asked him, I said, if somebody tears their ACL, is that even possible? Is that even 
something that's fathomable. I can't talk. Where he can come back on the pitch, run on it a little bit, jump, a couple explosive movements, and then feel it out. And he said, if it's a complete tear, he wouldn't be able to do shit. Those are his exact words. So I'm not going to name drop him in case he's wrong, but he is a fucking doctor. <laughs> he did graduate medical Wait, school. So do I know I'm, this person? I'm, oh, yeah, I know who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, just based on what he told me, it, it doesn't sound like it's a complete tear, which is worst case scenario. Obviously, that's similar to the injury Chilwell had, which will easily put you out 8 to 12 months. So if it isn't his ACL, it's most likely the MCL or a meniscus, which is shorter term. But again, it's still not the ideal situation to be in at all. I mean, I I feel for the guy because he missed damn near a whole year at Leicester after snapping his leg in a horror tackle. And now a freak non-contact injury like this happens. It's uh, it's it's it sucks, especially seeing him coming into his own. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, also, I mean to be he was honest, good though. though. To be honest though, like those aren't the only possibilities. There is right, also give you a possibility that, yeah, that's very minor, and you know, like the air cast and the and the um, what's it called, crutches were all precautionary until they were able to do a full MRI on it. So, I'm hoping for that. Obviously, yeah. Um, if it is like a I mean, obviously, if it's a significant injury, he's going to be out for the whole season. If it's like, I'd, I'd say a middle injury, that's not the right terminology, but if it's like a, a you know middle of the road injury, probably won't see him until after um, the World, the New World Year. Cup, which we have the World Cup, which sucks for him. I don't know if he would he would have. I don't think he was going to make the World Cup squad. He was he's been playing with the U twenty ones for France. Right. Okay. Well, then I, I don't feel as bad for him anymore. Then, <laughs> but well, then, I'm um, thinking he can get like proper time to heal, you know, because there's no way yeah. he comes back this month, which is going to be crazy packed. And I think we only have matches, and I might be wrong here, uh, through the first week of November before players go to their camps. So, at the end of the day, like if there was a time to get injured, like to to look for a silver lining, now is the time because we'll have the extra months rest before any of our Chelsea matches come back after the World mm-hmm. Cup. And like and like we discussed, he's not going to make the, Fran- the France uh, uh, World Cup squad because he missed a bunch of time last season. And also, people were very quick on Twitter to say that he tore his ACL again. He broke his leg last time around. Yeah, he guys, it was a clean break. No, we, we looked it up. We looked it up. It was both. Oh, it was. It was a yeah. It was it was a broken bone, and he also tore uh, ligaments. I don't know if it was ACL, really? but he it he was didn't both. lose any explosiveness. So good for him. Yeah, um, we actually got a Twitter question about that. This one's from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He said, "With Fafana's injury, are you worried that we may burn Tiago out?" I don't mm. think so. I think Koulibaly is your insurance policy on Tiago. If you need an ex- I mean, you still have, as much as I hate to say it, Dave can still play there. Kukurea could play there. Chalaba came back, and he looked really good playing there as well. And, and, and again, Graham Potter is not wedded to playing with just the back three if he needs to play a back four out of necessity for a rotation. 
he can. No, no, no. It does make it scary. I mean, anytime somebody gets hurt, you're going to look at the depth and, and raise questions. But I think center back is one of those positions where we can, I don't want to say afford an injury because you never want to say that, but center back is one of our deepest positions. Let's be honest. I just, I, but here's the thing. Like when, when you switch to a back four, the three main center backs that can do the back four were Koulibaly, Fofana, and Thiago Silva. Like we have not yeah, seen Chalaba, we have not seen Chalaba succeed in that position. You sure as hell haven't played. You're not going to play Kukurea or Aspie as a center back in the in the four. So yeah. I am a little concerned because Thiago is going to go to the World Cup as well, and he will be a key member. I mean, I, I take it back. I don't know how many minutes he plays for Brazil, but he's going to the World Cup. He's going to win the World Cup for Brazil. I'm calling it now. <laughs> I just don't know if he plays. Like, does he still start for Brazil? They have... Yeah. Like, Him and Marquinhos. They have Militao, Marquinhos. Like, there's a lot of center back talent. Like, he'll get invited. I don't know if he'll play as much, but hopefully he won't. Hopefully, you know, it turns out that Bali will do a lot of the heavy heavy lifting, perhaps, in the athletic department. The first 10 minutes of this match, he was very eager to put in a tackle. He needed to chill out a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I hope not, but I think that is a true concern. I mean, it's moments like this when you're like, damn, if only we could recall Cole Will now. And I know. Again, we, don't know we don't know the extent of the, of the injury. Mm-hmm. I think, like, any time we'd play a back three, we should we should rest Thiago Silva um, because that's, like, the only formation where we can uh, risk doing that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, with a back four, he's, he's, it's got, it's got to be him and Koulibaly, for sure. Yeah. Now um, it does, yeah. Will we do that? That's a thing, like... At the same time, I don't think Graham Potter is going to – I don't know if he'll just pull the plug and, and start just completely taking him off games. Like, I still expect Thiago Silva to start this weekend. I'm, I'm, I'm all for managing his minutes. I'm all for pulling him off if we're 2 or 3 nil up with 15 minutes to go, 20 minutes to go. Like, I mean, what was our means... in, our, in, in Potter's first first match? It was Kukureya. It was Aspie Kukureya, yeah. So, like... That didn't work. Just, just, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but just swap Thiago Silva with Koulibaly, like, I think that he'd be willing to do that. Yeah. All right. And, I mean, we've, seen, uh, and we've seen Chalaba play on the left side of a three as well in recent... He could. He, he could. His ball, his ball progression is so underrated. I know he misplaces some passes at times, but the guy played in midfield for a whole entire season. He's fucking comfortable with the ball at his feet. Like, I don't know where this narrative that he can't play in a back three comes from from some Chelsea fans. It's beyond me. And I know that that's the real reason we brought up even the Fofana thing. We were going to talk about Chalaba's performance. And while I thought Fofana was good, I think... Reese and Chalaba understand each other a little bit better. Just there's more, like, they've played more minutes with each other. Chalaba was exclusively played as the right center back under Tuchel. So, to me, it felt like Reese had, he felt more freedom. I think with Fofana back there, I think Reese had to do kind of like a two-in-one job of not only doing his job, but making sure that Fofana's in the right place. And once Chalaba came out, 
when he was playing, I thought that Reese almost like got his shackles unlocked and he was just doing whatever he wanted full time. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if that also lines up with the fact that after one half of football, Reese figured out Rafael Leao a little bit better. So it was a much better second half for him individually. I thought Chalaba was solid. I, I don't I can't think of a single moment where I was like, shit, I wish Wafana was still in there. So that's a good he, sign. He's gotten some of the roughest treatment I've seen in recent memory. Chalaba. It's similar to Polisic. I mean I, I might get murdered for saying this, but Polisic was insane against Real Madrid last year in the Champions League and then was benched the very next day. And kind of like Chalaba, he started last season on fire. And for some reason, Tuchel just didn't see a reason to play him anymore. Yeah. And when he did play him in sporadic minutes, he didn't look very good. And, and a young player needs to be playing consistently in order to gain some kind of form. So I mean, the silver lining in all of this is that we finally, Chalaba finally gets a chance and that there's really no excuse for him not to continue getting chances, especially with the depth at center back now and Fafana's injury. So, I mean, I am looking forward to seeing how he's going to play in that respect. And if today's any indication, we're going to be just fine. Because talent-wise and skill-wise, he does present a lot of the same attributes that Fofana has. He's pacey. He has a good first touch. He can pick out a pass. He can move the, he can uh, progress the ball with his dribbling and beat a guy if he needs to. He's huge and is an asset on set pieces. That's also something that we can consider. So... All of the pieces are there. And with Chalaba, I always just kind of felt like he got shafted in terms of his minutes. Like it was undeserved that yeah. he wasn't playing as much as he was under Tuchel. And and maybe that is a knock on Tuchel. Maybe that's part of the man management that we spoke about or that was rumored when he got sacked. But I don't think Graham Potter is looking at that. The fact that Graham Potter strives with younger players just puts Chalaba in an even better position than he ever was under Tuchel, even when he was on top of his game. So... I fully expect him to make the jump this year. I think if Afana's injury is long-term, I think Chalaba will have a good enough body of work by the end of the season where he'll be pushing for the starting 11 come next season. And maybe we don't have to go out and spend $90 million on a Gavardial or another Through center that. back. Also, we've never lost a Premier League game when Chalaba starts. So, throwing yeah. that out there. All right, let's uh, move on. We got a matchup against Wolves this weekend. Um, currently, we don't know who the manager for Wolves will be. They sacked Bruno Lodge last week. Um, they um, Right now, they're sitting in 18th place. Uh, they are in serious uh, threat right now for relegation. They've been struggling to create offensively right now. They have a minus six goal differential. They did recently sign Diego Costa to try to remedy that, but um, I, I I don't think he's made an appearance for them yet. Is that something? no, no? He's he's played. He played last weekend. He came off the bench. Did he? But like, yeah, he played like a handful. Of, I think he like twenty minutes or so. Didn't do anything though. Uh-huh. Played about uh-huh. thirty minutes. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I've been so, I've kept my eye on Diego Costa since he signed for Wolves because you have him in fantasy or what? Well, no, everybody <laughs> everybody that listened to the podcast when he was our well, actually, we didn't even have a podcast when he was our striker. I was just his biggest fanboy ever. I rode his dick harder than any other player that ever existed for Chelsea outside of DDA Drogba. 
And I know that sounded wrong, and I fully intended it too. That's just how too. much I love Diego Costa. I love uh, Diego Costa as much as he loves filming his threesomes. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> what? You've never seen You've that? Never seen nope. That? Nope. I'm okay. Diego Costa. Uh, you need yeah. To watch that. No, yeah, I'm man. Good. It's a it's a good watch. I had a whole newfound respect for him when I saw that. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> Mad respect. Um, he has good taste. Let's just put it that way. And good form. Um, so they, <laughs> right now, Wolves have uh, they have a couple of injuries. Uh, notable injuries. Pedro Neto, Hwangi Chan is also out. Raul Jimenez, Sasa, what's his last name? Kaladzic. Um, Record signing. Poor guy. Yeah. He, they're, they're out for uh, probably going to miss the match. Nathan Collins as well, one of their starting center backs. He's going to be out with a red card. So it's it's looking pretty good for us. Like we dominated a pretty injured AC Milan side. Now we're going to be playing against a pretty injured Wolf side. Um, if, if if this match today is any indication, I think we don't really have too many struggles. But hey, this is Chelsea after all. Nothing comes easy. Um, nothing is not stressful. So I guess I'll start off with uh i mean do you guys have any like bold predictions with the lineup as far as like like you know do you think like we'll see broja start or you know will will mason mount finally see the bench (laughs) i like how you worded that will mason mount (laughs) finally see the bench um I think Broja could start. I mean, Aubameyang did start the last two matches, but at the same time, it's not like he played heavy minutes and he scored in back-to-back games. So, if we're if I would, we would all be hypocrites if we said that Aubameyang doesn't start next game because we've just been harping on how he should keep playing to inform guys. Um, and he got sh- pulled out with thirty minutes left. Yeah, yeah, he got a bunch of rest today too. So I think that's going to be one of the guys that uh, Graham Potter leans on. And at least early on in his tenure, but I feel good about it. I think we're going to walk away with another clean sheet. The Wolves only scored three goals on the entire season. I mean, they are desperate for attacking Flair. And in my opinion, their best attacker is still injured in Pedro Neto. Um, so I really don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for them. The one thing I am going to say is that they are a very underrated defensive side. They're solid just like they always are. They only conceded nine goals this season. We conceded 10. Man City conceded nine as well. So just to kind of give you an idea, defensively, as a unit, they're as good as it gets for the Premier League. But it's the other end of the pitch where they lack. So I think if you're Graham Potter, you should look at this game and set the team up. I don't want to say in a more risky way, but just try to get as many attackers out there as you can and, and, and get your most attacking philosophy or group of players slash formation into that game um, because they're really not going to have much um, on the counter. And I, I know I cursed us by saying that, but I do think we can just kind of throw everything at them in the first half and just smother the fuck out of them. And, and if we can nick a goal or two in the first half, it's, it's as good as done. So... 
I'm going to go 2-0 Chelsea. I think we get the clean sheet. I think we get the early goal. The squad's confident. Um, I'll say that we get another center back goal. I don't know who, but a center back does score again. Andres? I'm good with 2-0 as well. I expect a lot of the, what are they called, like your typical... Like usual suspects, I think Sterling gets a start still. I think Aubameyang gets a start still. Um, I think Kovacic also gets the start after what RLC did. I think he also should get a start. I think maybe Mason Mount does get a break in this one. I think he stayed in, in, in the whole match, if I'm not mistaken. He played the full 90. Or no, he came on for Havit in the 74th. That's the one where I think, okay, his performances. Up until today hadn't been the best. Perhaps he finally gets a break. Uh, I think Gallagher deserves the start, honestly. I just think that after the Palace game, you know, it's a little harsh not to. Um, but uh, I think the usual suspects will be in. I think maybe you'll see Kukurea as a center back um, just to shift things a little bit. And then... I just 2-0, and I think that this time around, Sterling's going to be a goal scorer. Hmm. You guys know exactly where I'm going with this. Seven last nil. match. Last Do match. Do it. Do it. I predicted for, sorry, last episode, I predicted a 2-2 draw against AC Milan. My history of predicting 2-2 draws and Chelsea ending up winning i probably have like a 95 percent rate uh, you're like 32 and one right and i and after that one is when i stopped doing it <laughs> so i think my uh hmm, let me think about this for a second i think it'll be fair play to both sides a well-fought battle between two formidable foes, which will end up in a 2-2 draw. That's my prediction. In other words, we got this, guys. 2-2 draw. Yeah. For those that aren't catching on, just trust him. Trust, dude. Trust. Trust. Foundation of a solid relationship. Yeah, well... I appreciate it, Sam. I think that's a good place to end it uh, on the note of trust. Um, yeah, I trust that we'll get the victory. Fuck yeah. If you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you are. Um, at Blues on Parade. Boys, it's been a good week so far for the Blues. I think it should continue. And uh, after the next match, we are going to be recording another podcast, so make sure you're looking out for that. Until then, keep the blue flag flying high.